We have made our way from a, a point where Naomi and Ruth were just destitute, hopeless, to where Ruth found herself a laborer in the field with Boaz, and then Boaz blessed her and enabled her to have this great harness, and she brought home all this barley, which was which was very encouraging, which was very amazing. They're excited about that, and that got us to verse. 20, and I'm going to let's just read together verses 20 through 23 and see what we can see uh, this morning. So, and Naomi said unto her daughter, Blessed be he of the Lord who hath not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. Now, we talked a lot about kindness last week, and we saw our need to extend kindness to others, and we talked about some of the things that interfere with that. Sometimes we're not very kind, even though we receive their kindness. That was last week. So Naomi said unto her, The man, talking about Boaz, is near of kin unto us, one of our next kinmen. And Ruth, the Moabitess, said, He said unto me also, Thou shalt keep fast by mind of men until they have ended all my heart. And Naomi said unto Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that thou go out with his what? Maiden. Young man? No. Away. Because Ruth said, wait, wait, wait. Ruth said, Boaz said, thou shalt keep fast by my young men. And then now Naomi said, It is good, my daughter, that they go out with his maidens, that they meet thee not in any other field. Okay, verse 23. So she kept, uh, Ruth kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to glean unto the end of the barley law. And of the wheat harvest, and dwell with her mother-in-law. So we're going to look at this. Ruth gleans; she's out working in the field all the way through the barley harvest, all the way till the end of the wheat harvest. Now that is, if you study your Bible, a good thing to be out laboring in the field. Amen. Amen. And um, in fact. There's a proverb that says in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 5, he that gathereth in summer is a wise son, but he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causeth shame. And I grew up out in the country. My dad would sometimes just not hold service because it's harvest week and no one's going to come because everyone's out in the fields because you've got to get the grain in mm -hmm. during the harvest. And we, I harvested hay and hay bales and all that stuff when Christina and I were first married and when it's when it's ready, you got to get it out of the field because it's going to rain and it'll be too moist or it'll, something happens. So when it's harvest time, it's busy time. What he said this morning: you snooze, you lose. 
So Ruth isn't snoozing. She's out there getting the grain when the getting's good. So we're going to be looking that. But I pointed out, as I read in verses 21 and 22, that this thing that, that Ruth said. So, so Ruth said, Boaz said, thou shalt keep fast by my young men. Okay, so I wanted to be a good student of the Bible. So I looked back in our story thus far, and guess what I didn't find? Names. I didn't find Boaz telling Ruth to stay close to the young men. If you look back at that, you're, you're not going to see. Now, what he says is you should stay close to the maidens and that he's going to keep the young men from bugging her. In my mind, I picture Ruth as this young woman. She's a widow. She had been married. Now she's single. She had a husband that took care of her. Now she's out picking up grain off the ground. And there's all these young men in the field. And I'm just thinking, you know, in her mind, maybe she heard, like, stay close to the young men. Like, she could find rest with a husband. She gets a husband, she doesn't have to go out in the field all day and pick up barley, you know, grains off the ground. But anyway, so, you know, I don't know. Maybe he did say that. We just don't have a record for it. But, but Naomi says, no, actually, it's, it's better if you stay near the maidens, not the young men. Ruth is probably like, well, they could just, they could bug me a little bit, you know. <laughs> I don't want that guy to bug me, but that guy, he could bug me a little bit. Like, she, like she's a young woman, right? I don't know. But what Naomi said is stick near the maidens. And this is what she did all the way from one harvest to another. So here's the point I want to point out here getting started was that Ruth received Naomi's instruction. Ruth heard, stay close to the young men. Naomi's like, no, stay close to the maiden. So she does that. She received Naomi's instruction, which is actually the same thing that Boaz said. We won't, we won't take time to go back there, but that's what he said. Which was really a little more because God was working out a bigger plan. There was more at stake than whether how Ruth spends her days. Better, bigger plans than can I find a husband? God was actually at work behind the scenes. Praise the Lord. God was work behind the scenes. Okay, but, but maybe to get all of this, I want to talk about these two harvests because there's two harvests. There's the barley harvest, and now there's this new harvest being introduced in our story, which is the wheat harvest. So, So we, we have a feast. Okay, we're going to go over the Jewish feast days. We're seven of them. We have a feast in the first uh, religious month called Nisan, which is the Feast of First Fruits. The Feast of First Fruits is where you take the very first sheaves okay, of barley and you bring them into the tabernacle or the temple before you harvest the rest of your crops. And it's kind of like a top. It's kind of like, well, I'm going to give first and acknowledge God. Then I'm going to go back and, and do all the, the rest of it. Okay? Now, now the barley and the wheat get planted in the winter. It's like winter wheat that we plant here. But the barley grows and matures a lot faster. So it needs to be harvested first. So this is the first fruit. 
of the barley harvest. And we read about these feasts in Leviticus chapter 23. In fact, you can turn to Levit Leviticus 23 because we're going to spend a little time there. Okay? Um, now, after that feast of first fruits, if you count seven weeks, they count down every day. It was even like a salutation. She was like, hey, Patrick, how are you doing? He'd say, I'm doing fine this 34th day of the Feast of Weeks, like they're counting. And then the next day would be the 30, 33 days left until then. And then this, this uh, another first fruits. First fruits, Pentecost is also a first fruits. It's different. Exodus 20, 34, 22 tells us, Thou shalt observe the Feast of Weeks, so seven weeks that end in Pentecost is sometimes called the Feast of Weeks. And it is the first fruits of the wheat harvest. So that just the thing you want to get into your mind is the barley harvest starts with the first fruits. The wheat harvest starts with Pentecost. Okay? 50 days later. So Ruth is in the field for 50 days because she was there at the beginning of the barley harvest. And we, we read that in our story. Now she stays there all the way to the end of wheat harvest. Which we're going to look at here in a little bit. Are you guys with me so far? Okay, so I want to use this whiteboard because uh, we're going to nerd out a little bit. I don't know if you guys probably can't see right over there. Well, if you can't see, just move, move around a little bit where you can see. Because these feast days are, are, are important. Yeah, you can move the TV. Make sure you don't unplug it. All right, thank you. All right, so, so instead of a circle, we're just going to make a timeline here. And, and what we find is the, the first religious month, the Jews have a calendar that you can't keep track of. If so, we can't set a date on return of Christ. But they have a religious calendar, an agricultural calendar, a civic or civil calendar. They start the day the night before, not the morning of. It's like it's a little different. But but in Nissan, okay, there's a feast, uh, that's the month. There's a feast called the Passover. You guys have heard of the Passover, right? Yeah. All right. So the Passover, that's uh 14 of Nissan. Actually, on the 10th of Nisan, they grab a, a lamb, a perfect, unblemished lamb, and they watch it. They bring it to the temple, and they watch it for four days to make sure it doesn't have diarrhea or something. Like, like they got to watch it and make sure it's healthy. Okay? This Passover feast, so turn in your Bibles to Leviticus 23. Okay? Leviticus 23. And what you'll find is this Passover feast, you'll find this in verses 4 and 5 of Leviticus 23. They bring that lamb to the temple. If it remains unblemished, they sacrifice it at 3 p.m. on the 14th of Nisan. And there's a lot of traditional elements. This is a memorial to Exodus chapter 12. When the lamb was sacrificed and the blood was put on the doorpost, and the angel passed over and there was a death. Okay, so this is a, a memorial to Exodus chapter 12. <clears throat> Leviticus 23, 
And it, it was like this, never forget what God did and how he saved us and brought us out of Egypt so that you won't forget, you'll do this Passover feast. Now, there's a lot of traditional elements that went to it. They sang the Hallel songs. That's like Psalms 113 to 118. They would sing these songs traditionally and ritualistically at the Passover. This was held every single year on the 14th of Nisan. Now, right after the Passover, there's another feast. It's called Unleavened Bread. So, this is found in, in Leviticus also. It's found in Leviticus uh, 6 through 8. It memorializes when the Egyptians were pushing Israel out. They didn't have time to let their lumps of dough raise. So they just had to eat like tortillas. They're like getting kicked out of the country. They couldn't eat bread. It was all tortillas. Nothing. So the unleavened bread is a memorial. Okay. So it's found in Leviticus 6 through 8. It doesn't memorial. It memorializes when they were pushed out. Um, and it's held right after, like the next day after the, the uh, Passover. Right after that, there's another feast. It's called First Fruits. Okay. First Fruits is the first day of the barley harvest. Okay, so the whole nation is going to celebrate this day because that's when you can start harvesting your crops as an agricultural society. This is found in Leviticus 23, verses uh, 9 through 14, I believe. Okay, so this is held. On the morning after the Sabbath, that follows these two feasts, okay? The first fruits, the morning after the Sabbath. And then they would come in and they would take this, and you couldn't gather your crops until we did it. So it's kind of a big deal. Now they would start counting down from that day, they start counting down weeks, seven weeks until the day after that is the 50th day. So seven times seven, that's 49 days. The very next day, there's another feast. What's this one called? Pentecost. Very good. So Pentecost was a feast that it, it had two purposes. It memorialized the giving of the law on Sinai, but it also ushered in the wheat harvest. So it's the first fruits for the wheat harvest. And it memorialized the giving of the law. Okay. So, uh, the, they didn't bring in like the piece of grain like they did in the barley harvest. They they take wheat, grind it up, they would let it leaven, then they'd bring in two loaves that, that had the leaven in it. So this was two loaves, leaven, and then once that was done, they could start their wheat harvest. Okay, we got... One, two, three, four. We got three more feasts. The next feast, which happened in the seventh month, hang on, let me, let me get through this. The seventh month is the Feast of Trumpets. All right. The first of the month of Tishri. As soon as that, the, the new moon comes up over the, because remember the night, the day starts on that floor. So as soon as that new moon comes up over the city of Jerusalem, they start blowing their trumpets. Okay, and they blow the trumpets all day. I don't know if they do 24 hours, but they blow these trumpets, and this is the pit. So trumpets were blown when it's time to go to battle, they're blown when it's time to gather together. 
So this was a, a sign of people gathering together and a time to prepare them for the next two feasts. Because the next one is called Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement. We'll call it the, the, the Day of Atonement. Now this is, so we're still, are you following in Leviticus 23? If you're following in Leviticus 23, this is in uh, verses 26 through 33. In Leviticus 23. So this is the holiest day of the year for the nation of Israel because on this day, there's a national atonement. It's not just like individuals, like, hey, have you taken a spiritual shower and just got before God and confessed your sins and agreed with him of your sin? Like, it's, it's a national. This is the national day of atonement. So how, as a nation, are they good with God? Well, it depends. Is the blood sprinkled on the mercy seat of the lamb was sacrificed? And then is the is the sin put on the scapegoat is taken out into the wilderness? If so, if that high priest comes back out, whoo, the nation's good for like for another year. Okay, the the that's a national atonement. Okay, so just as a those are the the elements of that. And then finally, there's this feast called the feast of booths or tabernacles. Okay, so this, if you're following in, in Leviticus 23, this is verses 33 through 43. And this is like the harvest is done. Everyone can take a break. And let's go up to Smithville Lake and just pull out the camper. And this is go camp for a week. And let's just hang out. We'll just cook over the fire and have fun and the kids run and play. We'll just be together as a family, kind of get a little bit of a getaway. So it memorialized when they were pushed out of Egypt and they had to like make a lean-to. They didn't have time to build anything. So it's all these things memorialize what God had done for them as he delivered them. Now, this is 49 days. This is in the seventh month. So this is when the wheat harvest is officially ended. This is when the wheat harvest here at Pentecost begins. So Ruth is in the field this whole time gleaning and living with her mother-in-law. Man, that's a good thing. So, what we see from this is that um, that Ruth was rewarded. Okay? So Ruth was out in the field. She did all of these things. She had to submit to her mother-in-law. And follow her lead, and then she's just out there working in the field. She's not grabbing on to one of these young men and, and trying to find a husband. And, and what happens through this is, is Ruth is rewarded. Now, <clears throat> so this is all cool, it's all interesting. Why are we spending time on this? Okay, the reason we're spending time on this is because this applies to us. Sorry, coordinate on our stuff here. Because in John chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, we see that Jesus, he was at Bethany, a village next to Jerusalem, six days before Pentecost. Then they made him supper. Well, because he, the day starts at evening, this is now five days before Pentecost. And then on the next day, so now we're four days before Pentecost. What we see out of the book of John is that Jesus, Jesus goes to, you're not going to keep up. Jesus goes to Jerusalem. As he is entering into Jerusalem, the people, if you read the book of Mark, they're singing, Hosanna, blessed is he to come. 
in the name of the Lord are going to be doing that. This is Palm Sunday. This is okay. So you know what they're doing? They're singing the Hallel Psalm. Remember the traditional elements of the Passover? You would sing the Hallel before you sacrifice the lamb. They are on the 10th of Nisan. Jesus is entering into Jerusalem and they're singing the traditional elements that went along with the Passover feast. Huh. That's very interesting. Okay, well, in Mark eleven eighteen, we see the Pharisees seek to destroy him. They determine that they are going to kill this Lamb of God, and they begin to examine him over the course. Don't miss it over the course of the next four days. Just like Leviticus, just like Leviticus explains, they examine him. They're going to destroy him. They start to look at him, and what we find is that Jesus, the Lamb of God, was without fault. In Luke 23, 14, he brought this man to me as one that perverted the people. And behold, I had examined him before you in hand and found no fault in this man. <laughs> so in Matthew 27, 45, and 46, we see the Lamb of God sacrificed on Passover at the time of the evening sacrifice having been brought to the temple and examined and found to be without the other. Ah, that's why First Corinthians chapter 5 calls Jesus our Passover. He was in the grave on unleavened bread. Leaven is a picture or a type of sin. Jesus was in the grave on that day. He rose again from the dead. Guess when? First fruits. He's in the grave. He rose again on exactly the day of the first fruits feast. Fifty days later. I don't know if you guys are seeing a pattern. Fifty days later, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, tells us that the disciples were gathered together, and on the Feast of Pentecost, Holy Spirit comes down, and there's like these flames of fire on their heads. Okay, don't miss it. Two loaves with leaven. Now the Gentiles are going to be coming in. It's not just the barley harvest. Now we're, we're finishing up the barley harvest, but now we're doing the wheat harvest too. We've got different kinds of grain, and it's in the leaven. It's not people who follow the law. It's not righteous religious people. The Gentiles get to come in. What a load. Yes. <laughs> Fruitcakes get to come in and be part of what happened. Praise the Lord. Okay. Now hang on. All this has already happened. The next, the next feast day on the calendar, a trumpet is going to sound. And God's people will be gathered together. First Corinthians chapter 15. Now not all sleep, we shall be changed in the moment, the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet shall sound, and the church age, which was ushered in here, is going to end. Okay, after the church age ends, and this is what we call the rapture, okay? Then we have the tribulation, 
which is a time of national atonement for the nation of Israel. It goes back to being a Jewish thing. Can we read that in Romans, in, in Romans chapter 11? Until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in, and then all Israel shall be saved. Oh, a national atonement that happens after the trumpet sounds, and this day of atonement followed by what? A thousand years of us finally being able to rest and just hang out because you know what? Because the harvest is over. Okay, so what does this have to do with you and me? All right. You know, the lamb was selected four days before the sacrifice. In Genesis 3.15, there's a prophecy, okay, the proto-evangel. It says there's going to be the seed of the woman's going to crush the head of the snake. Right there, it was determined that lamb was selected, and 4,000 years later, Christ comes. Second Peter 3.8 says a day with the Lord is with a thousand years. 4,000 years after that prophecy, okay, the lamb shows up. So if we've got 4,000 years of human history right here, and the millennium is 1,000 years, that's what millennium means, 1,000 years. 1K. 1K. Okay. Okay. We have a week okay, in God's timeline. Here's four days. There's five days. How many days did that leave? Two things. Got 2,000 years. Okay, let's do the math. How long has it been since Christ came, died, and resurrected? Probably thousand years. So we could. You guys, you are here. Right? This is the whole thing. This is it. Don't miss this. You are here. If, if 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 human like if this is a football field, we're on the we're on the two inch line. All right. He that sleepeth in harvest. Son that brings shame. Like we are like Ruth. Ruth waited. Okay. There's the, the marriage feast of, I left the, uh, they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years ago. Okay, so the rest of the story, Ruth was rewarded because she trusted Naomi and just simply waited upon the Lord and just went out and worked in the field. What happened? Who did Ruth marry? Boaz, the Lord of the harvest. And was she fruitful? Yeah. Yeah. So, so Ruth and Boaz had Obed. Obed had Jesse, and Jesse had King David. She got to usher in. Now, the coolest thing is if you follow that lineage out, you end up with who? Jesus Christ. She got to be part of the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. So the picture for us is this. We're not in the millennium yet. 
that my flesh just wants to rest. My flesh gets tired and it says, well, I just want, I just really want just peace and quiet. I just want to rest. And, I, and, and, and I'm going to get that. You guys, we're going to get that. But we're not there yet. We are in the time of the harvest. The trumpet hasn't actually sounded yet. And half the time we're tempted to live like it's already happened. We've already gone through the judgment seat. We're already entered into the millennium and we're camping at Smithville Lake. And we're not there yet. It's still harvest time. And here's the thing. Well, he showed some verses today. He said, if you suffer with them, then you'll have them. He's made us to be kings, kings and priests. Praise the Lord. That's a millennial prophecy. That is what is available to us. Okay. I got in camp in the snowstorm, <laughs> and uh, we have this old. It was nice when we bought it. It's like we'll pull out that air conditioner, but lately, over the last few years, it's just like it's reached its lifespan. It's it's done. It's not nice anymore. And. Uh, so we that's like let's go camp in the snow and we get out there and then they have this I don't like this RV this you know it looks like it belongs to a big fancy giant RV and I'm going to camper I'm like damn I'm perfectly content in my camper but man that's really I'd rather be in the RV you know what and then the millennium. Man, it's going to be good to just be there. But how we live now does actually affect what it's going to be like during the millennium. And we don't have very much longer to be able to suffer, to be able to labor, to be able to wait on the Lord. Now is our time. Like, we may not make it. We may not make it through the service before we hear that trumpet sound. I mean, I don't know. We're right there. We're at the end of 2,000 years. We're out of time. Okay, so so for us practically, main points. God honors a trusting and submissive attitude. So don't be quick to dismiss or reject counsel from leaders in the church whose instruction may not line up with your understanding. Ruth had be like, okay, that's not what I heard, but but I'll trust you. Ruth received instruction from her leaders, but it was actually instruction from the Lord. So so we were uh 2019, we're having our staff meetings, and Sam is is uh he's just he has like an electronics engineering degree. So so historically he and Miller start talking about electronics stuff. And I just don't know. So I don't know about it. I don't care about it. It's not my thing. And so he's he's just going on and on. Like the the video has to be right and the sound has to be right. I'm just like, I don't even know if that exists. Like you're right. Like, I mean, isn't that a preference thing? It's just and I'm just I'll confess to you in my mind, I'm like, Sam's gonna OCD. <laughs> okay, guess what happened next? COVID. And we're like, our sound and video quality was amazing because God had put it on Sam's heart for the last six months to take up the whole staff meeting, <laughs> figuring out how many 
justify it. Like, whatever. Like, I had to get a pass, like, okay, well, that's right. I was actually, you know, wasn't New Year's, like, like, wasn't was fomenting rebellion, but I was in my mind. I was rolling my eyes. I probably actually rolled my eyes. Like, <laughs> no, I should have just trusted the guy behind the scenes at work and just read it before. I just did my, like, tried to help. I probably okay. Anyway, main point number two: trust God by being willing labor in the field and finding a place to serve. And this is going to require you waiting on the Lord. So Psalm one twenty three twenty one: Behold, as the eyes of the servant look under the hand of her masters, and as the eyes of a maiden under the hand of her mistress, so our eyes wait upon the Lord our God until He have mercy upon us. We should just be like Ruth was a maid in the field, the serving in this person, and we should just be serving in the field. First Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1:10, to wait for the Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered delivered us from the wrath to coming. John chapter 4, the fields are wide in the harvest, but the laborers are, are few, right? So we don't want to be a son that sleeps in harvest. We don't want to snooze now and lose later. So you need to find a place to, to, to buy in. And this is, like, I really, really think the vast majority of Christians do not understand the structure we have. The church structure is not just to build a structure so we can beg people to give up their time to do something they don't want to do. Like, why even have church if that's all it is? What we have is an opportunity that you could never come up with by yourself because you're fitly joined as part of a body. You're a member fitly joined to the body. Without the body, the members cannot serve. The design is a body. We are the body of Christ. And so what it is, it's like a... Yes, there's an announcement that says, hey, you know, we need more people to bring food. But but what we ought to hear is, here is an opportunity to labor in the field before that trumpet sounds. I thank God we, we got to clean the church yesterday. I, I, I had nothing better to do than to just serve the body humbly because, because we're right there. So listen, you've got to find a way to plug in and be used of God. I don't know what that is. I don't know what your gift set is, but I do know that God has gifted every member to be a part. We're having a leaders meeting. Is that next week? The ten. Next. That's next week. Yeah. Okay. I'll trust you. Okay. I, I'm not looking for just LFBI graduates. Okay. I'm looking for people who say, "I'll sell out." I'll sell out for the mission, whatever, whenever, however. I just want to be used to the Lord before that trumpet comes. There's a difference between being bought in and being sold out. I'm not asking you to buy in. You need to sell out for the Lord. You need to, to see yourself as a laborer in the field. You can serve him until he comes back. He's going to wait on all the other stuff we need. Don't quit your day, Joe. No, I'm not saying that. Okay. But you need to find a way as a servant of the Lord to be a part of what he's doing. All right. That's it. We've got 
a little bit of time left. This would take 10 minutes to meet together in small groups and then if God is doing something, share that, talk through that, figure out maybe <clears throat> what's keeping us from seeing ourselves as laborers. Sound good? Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's make sure everyone has a, has a group. Scott, you good? Yeah. yeah. All right, I'll close this out at about 10 after. That's in 12 minutes. Chris, yes. Can you clarify that you don't have to be here? Okay, next Sunday, we'll be here. Just if you feel like you want to be a part of the meeting in some aspect in this ministry, whether it's discipling, whether it's a ministry, involvement, whether it's part of the Bible studies that we're doing, you're, you're welcome to come. We will want, we'll get a head count at the beginning of class for people who are going to stay. Let's do it here. Did you get the room? Yeah. Yeah, we'll do it here. Yeah. Very much. You know, to the Bible. Yeah. Okay, so do we just want to do a whole group? Yeah. Let's get to a, we are a big small group, okay? Okay, so, uh, all right, so first question is to clarify the leaders meeting. I care more about whether you're ready to fill out the Lord than where you are in our process. Now, that's the part of it. But you're welcome to come if you need to know more on that. So you're you are invited. Um, the second question was what? You have to have gone through the class of discipleship. Yeah. Before so before someone is gonna take the word of God and teach it or preach it to invest it in the soul of someone else, you have to go through at least our discipleship level teaching. Okay. I know we've got some who got an LFBI grad uh, just about. Tim and Scott are both ready to graduate. Hello, Mike, you've been graduate from Shepherd School, like me. Yeah, did you graduate from Shepherd School? Yeah, a long time ago. Long time ago. <laughs> yeah. um, we have other people that have been through discipleship. Now, you can serve without having gone through discipleship. There's lots of ways to serve without actually teaching and preaching. I think like one of the best examples would be to host a Bible study. Maybe I, I, I maybe I don't have the gift of teaching, but I've got a, a nice house that's a nice location to start a Bible study. Can I answer the question? Yeah. Did you have a question? I was going to say the same thing if you said like to hold the door or I need to go to no, I think we would break it down this way. We have ministry opportunities. That ministry is some way of taking the word of God and teaching it to others. And then we've got service opportunities. Now, obviously, there's crossover, right? But you can serve, and like anyone can serve. You don't have to be a member to serve. But so the point for us would be there is nothing holding you back from getting involved in terms of, you know, can God use me if I haven't got through? Well, of course he can. He used you before you tried me. So yeah, you, you can find a place to serve within the body. And that's kind of one of my jobs is to help you find your place in service to ministry. 
It's not my job to talk you into caring enough to do so. Like that's between you and the Lord. I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. We're right here. We we need to be a part in some way. You know your good side. You know where you are. You're plugged in. You're serving others. We need we need to get that worked out. Might help. <laughs> what else? Any other questions? No. So, um, I have a question for you guys. What what things hinder us from just being like Ruth and just being a laborer in the field and waiting patiently on the Lord for any anything we need out of His mercy? What hinders that in our society or in our lives? Work fatigue. Okay, work work fatigue. Our jobs. Yeah. Who, who can relate to that? <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot of people who aren't here because they're traveling to work right now. Yeah, yeah I was exactly not answering that. Not just one of the things that has brought me to ministry success with the stadiums. If I have capacity and I'm asked to do something, I start off with yes. And then like, you've asked me to do scary things. The first time I preached, I was frightened to death. I have done so many things for you that I would never <laughs> choose. <laughs> but you asked. Yeah. I had the ability. I said yes. Yeah. And the Lord blessed. Yeah. I was afraid. The Lord took care of everything. And I was blessed to ministry with the Lord. Yeah. Moved to so Africa. It started easy. <laughs> it started easy. I asked God to just join me in ministry, and he did. And then I asked him to teach and preach. And then he took over the whole new members class. And then and then he trained up someone to take his place. And we, you know, handed that off. And then being in here, um, helping lead and living well. And then and then the big ask probably was to go to Nairobi for a month. Yeah. And Scott was like, okay. <laughs> and then those guys love you. <laughs> you guys love you. You got to lead all those kids to Christ at that school. Yeah. yeah. Praise the Lord. There's so so yeah, there is. I've had to, I'm not the world's best followers. If I had to just learn. Uh, but like, yes, Lord, same thing. Yes, Lord, whatever, whatever whenever, however. So, what else? What else would be an hindrance to us just getting plugged in in a meaningful way? Well, like you say, fear. Fear, yeah. Yeah. I think the, the sometimes... <laughs> So the fear, the fear for Ruth would have been, I'm never going to get married. I'm going to have to do this horrible job forever. I mean, I think that probably would, like she could have taken control and, and, and then, like made something happen, right? Ruth probably could have. But to surrender control over to the Lord and just she had to really do that to trust Naomi. And uh, yeah, that takes faith. Faith is the opposite of fear, not courage. 
What else? Prioritizing life. Just there's lots of stuff in life. But what's really worth it? Yeah. It creeps in. Yeah. It's like, well, here's a good idea. Next thing I know, like it, it all creeps in. It's like, what's all this stuff? What you signed up to? Ghost that thing or whatever. And, and then yeah, there's no time to I mean, we've been retired for a few years and uh, there's there's all kinds of needs. There are all kinds of ways to help. But do they really help? You know, sometimes it's it's just done. That that can be, you know, just prioritizing correctly. And so for us, I'm just saying it, it's somebody else said, I think Scott said, just say yes, but um, yeah. we have a lot more than we think we do. Yeah. yeah. I think something can keep us down in the world, you know, like Ruth, she might need something to us. Yep. And she could have just stayed back in that place. Yeah. So Ruth's going to become bitter and felt sorry for herself. Yeah. And then she would never have probably just gone out to the field and worked all day every day listen to Naomi. There would have been a temptation to say, I listened to Naomi and look where it's brought me. If I keep doing this, I'm going to be in trouble. That's why we have to wait on the Lord. Like, like we are waiting to hear that trumpet sound. In the meantime, we're just laborers. We're not big deals. We're, we shouldn't expect life to be easy or anything. We're just laboring to be able Yes. Trouble more. And then we'll wrap it up. I mean, uh, related to the pursuit of easy fun games, football games, going out to eat and going out, and you don't have time. Then. I think the other thing that fills our time, at least for me, sometimes the organization. I've got so much I have to do that I don't need any time to get out and minister and reach out. And by not streamlining and staying organized, and I limit my ministry and availability. So the, the desire for comfort, ease, and pleasure sometimes keeps us in, in our, you know, I'll call it our comfort zone because I hate my comfort zone. I mean, I keep running back to it, but it limits me. So limiting. If we can just well, I don't know, take a bulldozer to it or something and just be done with it. Say, I'm not going to have a comfort zone in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. I'm just, this is my mission field. There's nothing wrong with going to the football game or something, but it becomes, it does become a lifestyle. Yeah. And then he said, uh, well, disorganization, organized organize it. Steals your time. Yeah, I'm not going to All right. Uh, two, real, two more, real quick. Um, one, you touched on this. Remembering who we are and who we belong to. Remembering the sacrifice of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Something else. 
something to improve myself in more of a material way. Because again, throwing in what Vlad was doing here, we want to have that good job. We want to have that good thing. We want to have the but we don't feel like we're or wise to make an event do what this trend is because I get people telling me all the time, when this stuff, when that I don't know enough to know if you're if you're pulling a shenanigan on it. And that's one of the things I like about church is that we should have our shenanigan detectors enough yeah. to know those things. Or if I don't know something, there should be a resource to just say, you know, but this is how you should do it. Don't do that because it's clear then. And all, you know, you got people getting scammed and stuff. And some fall for it, some don't. <laughs> we don't remind ourselves as a community. This is what we're trying to say. We need to be so we do have a fair number of introverts in here, and I kind of like that, because I'm kind of like that. Um, yeah, we need to find ways to show kindness, to interact with others, and this, this is our resource right here. We have a resource that gives us what we need to know and that, but I, I do appreciate that. Let me pray for wrapping up. Father, we love you, and we thank you for your word, and God, I think you just in Ruth, we put this one verse in there about two harvests. And when we study it out, you, you show us where we're at, Lord, in your timeline that you encoded in seven Jewish feast days all the way back in Leviticus 23. So, God, we here we are. We want to be laborers. So, so we pray to the Lord of the harvest for the laborers. God, we want to be those laborers. Help us to plug in in some way to use our gifts in a way that makes sense. Based on what your word says. We love you, we thank you, we praise you, and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.